This hour of Flames Talk underway. It is Wednesday, December 6th with Aaron Vickers of NHL.com. It's Pat Steinberg with you. Welcome to the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. This Christmas, give the gift of security with smart locks and safes. Visit CalgaryLockandSafe.com. We're coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, Vicks. Patrick, we're having some fun today. We're uh, doing our best. Because um, it was not a fun night on Tuesday That's for the too. Flames. That was... Uh, that was that was a gross game. Smile through the pain, buddy. That was a tough one. Um, but you know, on a tough night to evaluate much, on a tough night to evaluate goaltending, I actually came away feeling pretty positive about the goaltending performance the Flames received in their first game over the next little bit without Jacob Markstrom. We know Markstrom's on the shelf with a fractured finger, uh, so he's week to week. So whether that's a week and a half, two weeks, two and a half weeks, we don't know. But we know he's out for a little bit. But I actually came away feeling pretty positive about the goaltending last night or Tuesday night because I thought Dan Vladar had a really solid stretch and a, and a solid 21 and a half minutes. That's exactly how much he played. Uh, Vladar, of course allowed one goal on, I don't remember what it was, but he allowed one goal in the first period, and then early in the second period, the Flames uh, did not come out any better than they were in the first, and two more went in on them. But I I thought Dan Vladar kept the Flames in that game, and they were extremely fortunate to be only down by one coming after 20 minutes of play. Like I I went into the first intermission saying, holy, that was a really poor period. The Flames were on their heels Throughout the entire first 20 minutes, uh, the Wild had numerous opportunities to add to their one nothing lead after Felino put them on the board. And yeah, they missed one or two opportunities, but there were four or five 10-bell stops and not even ones that would be classified as quote-unquote high dangers because there were a couple of really difficult redirect stops that Vladar made in the first period as well. So I thought Dan had himself a really solid outing. Second period starts. Uh, they they go into fire drill mode on the two nothing Kaprizov goal, uh, and then they then Boldy the goal on Kaprizov's was that shot pass? Wasn't it Boldy's goal on the Kaprizov? No, Kaprizov got the two nothing goal uh, post, and then he was at the right side oh, of the yes, post. Yes, yes, yes. And then Sorry, the three nothing goal, goal, goal is was the Boldy one that was uh, Weger putting it right back onto Boldy's stick in the slot, and Boldy just shot it and wired it past Vladar. Like I don't know how you're putting any of those on Vladar. So you come away and you're like, all right. So then they make the goaltending switch, which I understood. And then Dustin Wolf comes in and he played well. I thought Wolf had himself a really solid outing, allowing two more goals the rest of the way and. One of them, he had Nazem Kadri bowling him <laughs> over on. The yeah. other one was just an unbelievable tic-tac-toe power play finish by Boldy on that slap pass. So I actually came away feeling really good about goaltending and feeling even a little bit more positive about how the Flames would be able to sustain themselves while Markstrom's on the shelf here. Yeah, that was not an indictment, that pull of Dan Vladar minute 30 into the second period. That was not a... You didn't give us what we needed. That was a, we are going to relieve you of your duties for the evening in the hopes to spark the other 18 skaters that are 
not necessarily pulling as much weight as you are right now. And it worked in the short term. Didn't work over the remaining 38-30 of the game, if I'm doing my math correctly. But I don't put uh, I don't put too much on the goaltenders in that loss to the Minnesota Wild on Tuesday night because, as you mentioned, Dan Vladar was lights out, finishes with three goals against on 16 shots. And that wasn't say percentage and goals against isn't going to look spectacular in that outing. But as you mentioned, through 20 minutes, he really bought the Calgary Flames an opportunity to get back into the game in the second period, and they just went right back to to not supporting him for lack of a better term and. Dustin Wolf. I think it was a good scenario to get Dustin Wolf in as well. And I know he's played a game already this season. He played mm-hmm. game 82 last season. But to sort of, I don't want to say ease him into a potential more regular role with Jacob Markstrom on the shelf again. You mentioned it could be a week and a half, two weeks, three weeks. It's week to week. So you never really know until he comes back or starts skating again. But I thought Dustin Wolf looked just fine. And one of the things that Dustin Wolf is going to have to do, and I thought he did it pretty well in the game against the Minnesota Wild is he's had to battle AHL forwards in and around his crease to see pucks. And now all of a sudden he's got to do it with NHL forwards a little bit quicker, moving the puck around a little bit bigger in terms of getting into his vision and getting into lanes and, and crowding the crease a little bit. And the early returns on Dustin Wolf, I think we're positive as well. Yeah. I mean, I've had, he's played what a little less than five periods in the NHL this season. I've, He's looked like an NHL goalie in all of them. The Ottawa loss, I, I know that it ended up being kind of a lopsided one, but I thought Wolf was just fine. Uh, and then I thought he was great against Minnesota and and did exactly what you could have asked for uh, coming in in relief of Vladar. Not even in relief, but just coming in on the back half. It, it, does, it does kind of beg the question, though, what do you do for Thursday's game against Carolina? Because I, I thought goaltending was the least of their problems on Tuesday night. In fact, throughout this entire stretch, I, I don't really think goaltending's... I mean, maybe you could talk about Jacob allowing that first goal against Vancouver, that first shot goal against Vancouver on Saturday when Hughes beat him. But I mean, really, of this four-game homestand, uh, nothing... Vladar was great against Vegas. I thought Markstrom was strong against Dallas. Uh, gave him a chance to win against Vancouver, and then the two goalies that played against Minnesota did their job. But it does it does beg the question, which way do you go against Carolina? Because I'm of two minds of it. The first, first train of thought would be, okay, you're trying to win games. You're trying to get yourself above 500. Finally, you're two games back of being at 500. Wolf gave him a spark when he came in on Tuesday. What do you have to lose in that respect? See if Dustin Wolf can go on a bit of a heater himself. There's that line of thought, plus knowing how highly the organization rates him for good reason. Then the other mind would be, well, Vladar played really well against Minnesota, gave him a, a solid start before they wanted to switch things up. Didn't get pulled for performance reasons, and you could really show some confidence in Vladar by going back to him against Carolina. Those are kind of my two... Those are, those are my two minds. If it were me making the decision, I'd actually go with the latter. I'd actually go back to Vladar and put him in. My gut and, and my eyes tell me that may not be what's happening. Dustin Wolf was in the starters net at practice on Wednesday, which is a Significant decent, and not significant at the same time. It's a, it's a decent indication. Like I, It kind of feels like it's going that direction, especially knowing that Vladar was in the starters net on Tuesday. Like I, my, It kind of looks like it's trending in that direction, but I'm, what we'll see on Thursday morning. I'd go to Vladar 
and kind of try to even build up a little bit more confidence in him, knowing that he didn't get pulled for performance reasons. But I sure would be excited to see Wolf again. It sure would be like I, I would be super excited and really intrigued if they went with Dustin against a very good Carolina team on Thursday night. So I'm kind of sitting where you are on this. In uh, This isn't a case for me that you need to throw Bladar right back into the net and have him bounce back because I don't think he played poorly. This isn't a situation where this guy is your number one, you yank him, and you need to get him right back in there to show him that you have faith in him because three goals on 16 shots wasn't on Dan Vladar Tuesday night against the Minnesota Wild. At the same time, I can understand going back to him because he did play really well, and if you want to show him that the pull wasn't on him, you go right back to him. At the same time, I would have no problems with going to Dustin Wolf for his first start of this sequence where the Flames will play eight games in 14 days and 10 games in 19 days. And I wonder if the original rotation was going to be Vladar Wolf, maybe back to Vladar, and then evaluating the body of work that you've seen out of your two goalies. Because as the fact remains is you're still trying to pile up points and win games and get yourself better situated. And you've got to do that without your number one in Jacob Markstrom. So I could see the understanding and the logic and the thought process of, okay, we're going to go right back to Vladar because he gave us, I mean, it was only 21 and a half minutes, but he gave us a quality 21 and a half. And again, it was the guys in front of him, not him that resulted in an early exit. But I can understand. Let's see what we have in Dustin Wolf. We said we were going to use him. We wanted to find a way to use him a lot this season. This is an opportunity to use Dustin Wolf and get him more than, you know, just under 40 minutes. So what, what, what would you do if you're making the call? If it's my call, I go back to Vladar. Okay, so we're, but, we're but actually I, thinking the same but way. But I would now. not, if, if you or anybody else went, no, we're going Dustin Wolf. I'm, I'm not banging my fist on the table and saying, no, you have to go back to Dan. Like, I'm not putting up a significant fight to get Vladar back. And it wouldn't surprise me if they went to them. And I this is just me. What I would have done in my approach is, okay, Jacob Markstrom's out. I go to Dan, I go to Dustin, I go, Dan, you're getting game one, Dustin, you're getting game two, and then we'll go from there. And if that's the case, maybe they just continue that. Again, that's just how I would potentially look at it. Right. So again, like, I'm not married to one direction or the other. Yeah, it's, uh, the, the, the other interesting wrinkle in the whole thing is that they also have an afternoon game Saturday. on Saturday against New Jersey to wrap up the homestand, so... You know, you probably, I, I don't know, you probably go to a different goalie that game as well. So whoever starts against Carolina, the other guy probably starts against New Jersey. Like, I, I think if if we're ballparking eight games that Markstrom misses, like you're playing every second day and you're playing Wolf at least three, if not four of those games. And I do think that there is a significant value in getting Wolf in games when you can, like they did when Markstrom had the minor injury on the road. They recalled Wolf for insurance, but made sure they played him because they could. And I think when you're sitting in a situation where you do have three goalies that you feel are, are uh, have the capability of, of winning games for you, 
then when you have the third one with you, you got to get him in. You got to show him that, hey, we have just as much confidence in you as we do our other guys, despite the contractual thing and despite the fact that you're playing in the American League right now. So, yeah, I, I think it's important to play Wolf while they have the opportunity. You don't want the injury to Markstrom, but they happen. And so now you've got an opportunity to get Wolf in. I just wait till Saturday to do it, but I'm. That's a really good Carolina team on the other side. Uh, they're sitting second in their division, and I don't even think they have come anywhere close to hitting full stride yet. So that's a difficult Hurricanes team. They've got some firepower. They come at you in waves. It'll be a big test for either guy, but if it's Wolf they end up going with, as it kind of feels like it's trending towards, then I'll be really intrigued to watch him. And I will. It was pretty cool to see the... A reaction to Dustin coming in on Tuesday. Night. I haven't looked at the text line at 960-960 to weigh in on who they think should be the starting goalie on Thursday. But in the court of public opinion, it's hard not to think that they're leaning heavil, heavily towards Wolf. I don't know if I've heard a goalie ever get that kind of ovation coming on in relief of a starting goaltender. Like, it was immediately like people saw it. And then all of a sudden like, Oh, Wolf's coming in. There Let's was applause. Go. There was cheers. There were howls for Wolf. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a reaction for a backup goalie to come in with a team down three, nothing to just get some crease time and get some NHL experience. Like, I, I don't know if you immediately think back to something, but no. for me, it was kind of, I don't want to say it was weird. And I don't even want to necessarily say it was unexpected because I know how much this fan base is eager to see Dustin Wolf play in a Calgary Flames jersey and play a lot. But it was just one of those things where it was like, oh, wow, this is this feels kind of strange. But at the same time, you get it. Yeah. One, this is one of the most exciting prospects in the organization, right? And there is a large section of Flames fans that want to see this guy yes. in the NHL full time. So I, I get the I get the excitement. They were down three nothing and the place was the loudest it was all electric. Night when Wolf came in. That's and and if he starts on uh if he starts on Thursday night against Carolina, when he gets introduced in the starting lineup when Beasley gives him his, his big voice guy intro. It's going to be loud for Wolf. This is a player that people really want to see win games. And I'll read you a few texts, 960-960. Uh, this says, Vladar next. Wolf for the afternoon game on Saturday. He's used to afternoons. He definitely is. He's played a lot of them with the Wranglers this year. Uh, this says they should go with Wolf for sure. This is the opportunity to play him. Vladar can continue to spot when Markstrom returns. Why keep putting it off and not knowing what you have in Wolf? That's from Jim in Southwest Calgary. Uh, this says Vladar needs to play so they can trade him. Uh, that's from Mick. And this says, I felt bad for Vladar when Wolf got applauded for coming in. I don't think that was a, a shot at Vladar from fans. It was more of a, an excitement for a prospect that people are really, really excited about. Yeah, and for the texter wondering, Wolf has a 366 goals against and an 882 save percentage in his five-ish periods five -ish, of play. Yeah. Four and nine-tenths. Yeah. Played almost five full periods this year in the NHL. Uh, to the uh, to the texter who talked about, you know, this is an opportunity to give Wolf some significant playing time. That's also interesting. And and believe you me, I have um, I've kicked around. What happens if Wolf goes on a bit of a run here? Like, what happens if he gets on a heater? Then what does the conversation become? Like, all of a sudden, say. say 
say Wolf, and I'm not saying this is going to happen. I have no idea. Wolf's one and one in his NHL career and is sitting, as you said, at an 882 in the NHL this year, which is not super representative of the way the games right. have gone, but that's just what the stat is. What if he goes in a heater? What if what if all of a sudden he plays five of the next six and goes three one and one and gives you like nine twenty save percentage goaltending? Well, well, what does that conversation become when twenty five's ready to come back? When Jacob's ready to come back? For me, it's if you're giving us the best chance to win, you're going in. If that's Dustin Wolf, if that's Jacob Markstrom, if that's Dan Vladar. So you're, you're keeping well, three up. If he's going to put a 920 save percentage up yeah. over a stretch of six, seven games, I'm I'm going with Wolf. And this is on me because I should have done it when Ryan Huska was talking about Jacob Markstrom being out. And he had said, and I'm paraphrasing here because I don't have it exactly up, but he said we have three goalies we, can, we believe can be number ones. And... It pains me now to not have jumped on that and said, you believe Dustin Wolf can be a number one now, or are you projecting him to be a number one down the road? I would suggest it's probably projecting him down the road a little bit, but I'd be curious how comfortable Ryan Huska would be going heavily Dustin Wolf if he starts to piece together performance think, after performance. I think he'd, I think be, he'd, be, very just, I think he'd yeah. be just fine. Again, if you're going to put up 920, 920, 920, and I'm not suggesting like that. Had, had, had Vladar gone out there on Tuesday and... and Allowed one goal and the Flames win three one. I guarantee you he's starting against uh, against Carolina. Yeah, well, again, you're in the position of you're in the business of winning in the NHL. I actually don't guarantee that, but I feel strongly think, that he would have. I think uh, well because then you'd have the Vegas start, you'd have the Minnesota start, and you'd have Dan Vladar starting to trend in that conversation of what we're talking right. about with Dustin Wolf putting together nine twenty save percentage after nine twenty save percentage. I think you're comfortable with whoever you think is going to give you the best chance to win. And if Dustin Wolf is instilling the confidence that he can go out night in, night out and give your team the best chance to win, I'd have no problems giving him four or five, six games in a row. I mean, if, if, if he's earning them, yeah. I think that always earned, never given in the absence of Jacob Markstrom for the time being. Yeah. I think they'd be comfortable doing it. I'm just, I'd be really curious as to what the, conversation on this program and in the market would end up being and and how much hotter the conversation would end up being about well look at how he's playing now you can't send him back and all the and I'm not even saying this is not even saying this in a flippant or or derogatory or or ridiculing way but all those people who would be saying I told you so going with wolf would be the cure I told you last there'd be a lot of that and and you'd be justified in this case like the noise would get cranked to 12 if that ends up happening. It's a lot of hypothetical. I just but isn't rattling around my brain, that's for sure. Isn't that what you want? Don't you want Ryan Huska and Jordan Sigalette and Jason LaBarbera to go, oh man, who are we going to start tonight because the competition oh, yeah, is ramping up? Like that's, that's a great problem to have if you're a coaching staff or a goalie coaching staff where you've got... The only problem is, is that everybody says that three goal, carrying three goaltenders is cumbersome, right? Including them. And goaltenders might be the Goal, first one yes. to tell you. Jason LaBarbera and, and the three goalies would be the first to tell you. But even like 
skaters and head coaches don't love it because you got one net that's cycling between two goalies. You got one guy who's standing in the corner. It's just it's it's nowhere near as cohesive, and it doesn't. Uh, it's it's harder to practice that way. Like nobody likes three goalies on an NHL roster. At the same time, if the only guy that's eligible to go down to the AHL without having to clear waivers or anything of that sense is the one that's performing the best, guess what? He's the guy that gets to continually have the net in my books. Yeah, and I mean, in in your eyes, and I'm kind of with you. Well, definitely I'm with you, actually. You just kind of you deal with the pain of having three goaltenders. This is a whole lot better than the last time they had three goaltenders, right? Like, I think you feel a whole lot better about... Gary Ramo. If, if this were to happen, you feel a whole lot better with Wolf, Markstrom, Vladar than Ramo, Taylor, Ordeo. Yeah. That's Absolutely. why they lost Paul Byron. Bizey. I'll never, I'll never I forget. I love that guy. Uh, a few more texts at 960, 960. This says, uh, don't feed Wolf to the Wolves. See, I'm not really worried about that. I don't, even though the Flames' last two games have not been very good, and, and especially on Tuesday, and even though there's a sentiment out there that they're not a great team, which I understand, I don't worry about feeding Wolf to the Wolves. I don't really worry about his, um, I, I don't worry about that messing with him mentally or messing up his development. I, I With this goaltender specifically, Dude is so even keel and so mentally dialed that whatever happens, win or loss, I don't think it messes or, or changes his development at all. Yeah, I'm sort of the same way where his mentality and his headspace is that of, I don't think he's a goalie that's going to get frustrated by one bad start or two bad starts. Like one of the strengths, he's, his speed, his ability to read the play, and his ability to bounce back are, are three of his key attributes that has everybody excited that he could be a number one goalie down the road. Uh, a few more texts at 960, 960. Uh, this says, if Wolf gets lit up, does that attract? Uh, does, a, does that affect his development and mental fortitude? Um, as we just talked about, we don't think so. Uh, this says, for me, it's not even about wanting to see Wolf that much, even though I do. It's more that... The upcoming schedule is packed and absolutely nuts. Got to split it up. Wolf, please, against Carolina. That's from Dylan. And this says, Skinner worked for the Oilers last year. Take the chance on Wolf. That comes from Shane. As we are well underway this hour on Flames Talk, it's Steinberg and Vickers. Wherever you get your podcasts, we are well into the holiday season. And uh, because it's the holiday season, while it's all about the spirit of giving for us and the mustard seed. So here's the deal. Uh, we're, we're partnering up with the mustard seed once again until the end of December with our spirit of giving campaign. What we're looking for is for you, if you can, to drop off some of the most basic items at our drop-off locations so that we can collect and hand over to the mustard seed. They will then distribute these things that we collect over the next 365 days in 2024. Like what we do here on the Spirit of Giving and what we're going to be able to collect for the mustard seed is going to make such a massive impact for the calendar year 2024 for the mustard seed and and helping people experiencing poverty and homelessness here in Calgary. So what we're looking for, things, um, just basic clothing items for a winter city. Underwear, socks, jackets, boots, and gloves, things like that. Brand new things like that. Uh, that would be amazing. Or 
The mustard seed is always in short supply and in need of personal hygiene um, items, whether it's deodorant, toothbrushes, razors, things like that. Any of those things, if you could pick up brand new, if you're able to, if if you are able to financially do it, we would love you to help out. And then you drop it off at our uh, drop-off locations, including uh, right here at our Sportsnet 960 downtown studios on 7th Ave and 5th Street Southwest downtown, or at any of our McManus Auto Group locations in the city as well. All kinds of McManus Auto Group locations around Calgary, which might be more convenient for you. So all the details at sportsnet.ca slash 960. And again, for a full list of addresses, head over to sportsnet.ca slash 960. Flamestock is on the air and streaming on the Sportsnet mobile app. Sportsnet 960 The Fan, Calgary. All right, time to go inside hockey on this Wednesday for Calgary Co-op. This hockey season, support local. Find your all-time classics and locally brewed beers. Visit your local Calgary Co-op wine, spirits, beer today. Steinberg along with you on this hour of Flamestock. It's a Wednesday, so we go inside hockey with our buddy Jonathan Davis from NHL Network and NHL Network Radio. He's our Pacific Division insider based out of SoCal, and uh, we got lots to dive into around the Pacific Division on this Wednesday, as per usual. Hello, J.D. How we doing? Doing great, Pat. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. Um, and uh, it's been uh, it's been an interesting first quarter plus of the season in the Pacific Division, and we've got lots to uh, spin around on. And I guess let's start with the team that you probably see the most up close, and that is the Los Angeles Kings, who uh, on Tuesday night trailed three nothing after forty minutes of play in Columbus, then scored three to tie, and Drew Doughty won at thirty three seconds into overtime, which means JD. The L.A. Kings remain perfect on the road. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, and it may be no surprise. I guess Columbus is one of the worst, if not the worst, third-period team in the NHL. But a credit to the Kings. I mean, you know, I, I, I thought if they had a chance, maybe a late goal in the second period would get them back into it. They couldn't get it. But then they get the early goal in the third, and they got, what, three goals in a span of about, six minutes in the, to open up the third period. And, you know, after that, I mean, the, the jackets were on their heels. I think after the second goal is when, uh, you know, a, a timeout was called and, but a huge credit to LA. I mean, you know, this is a team that, that Pat, you know, they, it, it's just deep. I mean, I, I think I put in the notes that I gave you, you know, Adrian Kempe is, you know, in the thirties in scoring and he leads the team, but, you know, try to pick out who you want to stop. And, you know, Trevor Moore's got 12 goals. Uh, that's more than both McDavid and, and Leon Dreisaitl. And that is extremely surprising that Trevor Moore would be in that position. But mm-hmm. Pat, he scored a goal a couple of nights ago where he spun around in the corner and, and then did a roof job uh, to put the puck in. And when I watched that goal, it was, you're just seeing that, he wouldn't have done that a year ago. These, you know, up and down the lineup, guys' confidence has grown mm-hmm. uh, throughout. So they, uh, you mentioned, you mentioned what's happening with Trevor Moore. Trevor Moore has always been one of the uh, one of the guys I've been really interested in in Los Angeles. Adrian Kempe leading the team, but it's a really really deep group. I'm curious as to they they've got an interesting test this weekend as this road trip continues. Bit of a a marquee matchup Sunday afternoon at Madison Square Garden. Hey, 
Yeah, I mean, you know, look, when you when you look, you know, I don't know, at least for me, you know, every Sunday night I kind of take a look at the calendar ahead and and just see, you know, what are the big games to to want to pay attention to? And definitely Sunday night, you know, Sunday afternoon here in L.A. at 4 o'clock, it's the Kings at the Rangers. And so, you know, hey, right now a potential Stanley Cup preview, uh, but, that, you know, no, no question, two of the best teams in, in, in the league and two teams that actually – share a similar distinction. L.A., well, let's start off the Rangers. The Rangers are the only team in the NHL yet to lose back-to-back games. And the L.A. Kings have lost back-to-back games, but have yet to lose back-to-back games in regulation. Mm-hmm. So kind of tells you where both these teams are at. You know, you avoid any type of prolonged losing streak. You, you know, you're going to continue to put yourself in a good spot. The uh, Edmonton Oilers have have not been able to do that. They have had a prolonged no, losing not. streak this year. No, they have they have started to get their their season back on track here. But even knowing that they have gone on a nice little run, their their playoff situation is is not super sexy looking right now. Break that down for us. Well, you know, it's funny. It's funny how things can just change by the you know in in, in a couple of days because. You know, when I was doing my weekly radio hit on NHL Network Radio, I was saying, hey, look, you know, they only got to climb five teams, and or maybe it was two weeks ago, and, you know, took a look at who, who those teams were, and you're going, ah, you know, really, it's not that daunting a task when it's Nashville and it's Minnesota and it's Arizona, and all of a sudden those teams are all on a bunch of heaters. And, uh, you know, look, the Oilers have played a lot better They've cut their, you know, their their goal differential has gone from minus 20 to minus five. But when you've got, you know, Minnesota hasn't lost since John Hines took over. Nashville just went through, or I'm sorry, uh, Arizona just went through that gauntlet beating the last, what, five Stanley Cup teams. Uh, so now now the uh, the Oilers have to climb over six teams. And, you know, when, when you've got to climb, you know, that, that's, that's, that's a lot harder when, when those six teams or a lot of those six teams are playing really well. Yeah, it's true. Um, and so what, what does their upcoming schedule look like in, in terms of them trying to, to work their way a little further up? Yeah, you know, it, it's, it, it's, it's definitely not an easy road ahead for, you know, for the Edmonton Oilers coming up, Pat. Uh, you know, it's games. It's Carolina tonight, and then it's the hot Minnesota Wild, and then it's Jersey, and you've got Florida Tampa on the road, or Florida and Tampa at home, before then you head out on the road and you do that New York, New Jersey uh, triangle with, you know, they've got the Islanders, Rangers, and Devils. So, you know, it doesn't make it easy. It's, it's, uh, it's very similar, you know, in a lot of respects to what the Ottawa Senators are facing out east. And, you know, look, the Senators came away with a big win last night. Um, Tonight, you know, Edmonton's got Carolina. You know, we I think we were doing a hit the last time these two teams played, and before you had a chance to, you know, to really get settled in, it was already four nothing Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and so this is, uh, you know, and I think you know the the other problem for Edmonton, you know, obviously the so much talk around Jack Campbell. There was the the the, the thought that maybe you know with the time off from you know, the Oilers had in their schedule and not having a game until today that, you know, maybe Jack Campbell would get the recall. But then, you know, Jack kind of stumbled again uh, on Saturday night. Uh, Still got a win, but, uh, I mean, the first goal he gave up was one of those that would kind of, you know, upset your stomach. And, you know, the others just don't have any margin 
to give. I mean, they've played their stinkers. They they can't they can't afford a loss. So uh, you know, don't don't know if Jack gets back, but I mean, Edmonton mm-hmm. does have a big you know it, it, it's a pretty ugly schedule for them. So we'll, we'll we'll see where it all goes, but they're you know they're on a nice run right now. I mean they've won four in a row and uh, and they've done it in impressive fashion. Uh, now they're going to get a real you know they're going to continue to get a really big test with what lies ahead before the Christmas break. Uh, Jonathan Davis is with us. Our uh, NHL Network, NHL Network Radio, Pacific Division Insider joins us Wednesdays here on Flames Talk. Um, let's go to Vancouver. Are, are we watching? Is it is it Rick Tockett Fine Watch in Vancouver? Well, I was, you know, a little joke because I, I think both coaches should have been fined last night for not starting the Hughes family out there uh, last night. I, I don't know. Wouldn't I, was that not? Should we not have seen that last night? Just come on. I, I thought Tockett would have it in him to do it. So put Quinn out against Luke and Jack. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually. Yeah, I'm on board with a fine for that. Yeah, I think both. Now look, it's it's up to. You know, the visiting coach, you know, so Lindy Russ got to put his lineup out first. I, he should have, he should have had Jack in the starting lineup and then, and then, it, then Rick could have done, you know, taking care of things on his end. Uh, but the Canucks have got bigger issues and the way that game started for them last night and then the way it finished and talk it addressed it after the game last night. I mean, it, it just too many breakdowns. I mean, that winning goal was kind of very, uh, sim- emblematic uh, of how the game started for them. You know, I don't know if you want to, you know, I don't know where Philip Hironik was going on, on that game-winning goal. I don't know if you can blame it all on Philip Hironik, but uh, that was too easy a goal with 30 seconds to go, and that's kind of how things started. And we're, you know, look, no one ever, I don't think we, any of us thought that Vancouver was going to be 10-2, you know, was going to keep that pace of 10-2-1 that started the season. But you know, the other thing, Pat, that I've brought up numerous times is I, I'd like to see more quality wins from the Canucks. And that's the thing that I'm, you know, I, I, I before I, I bought in on, on where this team was at, no question better, but I still need to see more quality wins from mm-hmm. them. Yeah, I know that's something that you have uh, been talking about. And uh, they've got a they've got a difficult upcoming schedule as well. And you know, didn't necessarily look so well against New Jersey in that Hughes Bowl. There were there were a lot of things that I know Canucks fans, analysts weren't super impressed with. Uh, so they've been struggling. They've got a tough schedule. You're looking for more quality wins. Maybe we, maybe these are are some of the tests that you're looking for in the next few weeks. Yeah, I mean, look, they've got the Wild twice. They've got Carolina, Florida, and Tampa. Um, you know, for me, it's it's I'm. I'm more focused on quality wins against your conference because, you know, quality losses against, uh, you know, losses against good teams on the other side don't, you know, I pay attention to it. It at the end of the day, you know, you know, the argument can be is that, you know, who, who cares if we move to the Rangers? I don't, we don't have to worry about them until we get to the finals, if we get there. Um, but you better beat the good teams in your conference. So, you know, they're going to be facing a Minnesota team that is playing really well, as we've talked about, won four in a row under John Hines, uh, changed the way that, the, you know, changed their, their their style of play. And so I'm interested to see what Vancouver does. You know, they, they have to cut down on the goals against. You know, the, the thing for me is that they've been feast or famine. They either score a lot of goals when they, you know, they score a lot of goals when they win. But, Pat, that's nine of their ten losses this year that they've given up four more goals. I 
I, I think that, you know, we'd like to see, I think Rick Tockett would probably like to see them play some tighter games. Uh, you just can't keep, it, it's just too leaky. And so we'll, we'll, we'll see where it goes. Um, you know, I was listening to Halford and Bruff this morning on my morning walk and, you know, a lot of Tyler Myers talking and, and, you know, moving Tyler Myers. Uh, so it's going to be to see what, what the Canucks do uh, between now and the deadline and, and how they can continue to try to bolster this roster. But I still think they're, you know, they still have the, you know, they can still be a playoff team, but uh, you know, right now, obviously we've got five from the central, which is still very, in some ways, very surprising to me, but a lot of that has to do with what's going on in Edmonton. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, we're talking to Jonathan Davis of uh, NHL Network and NHL Network Radio, and we will wrap it up with uh, the two remaining California teams. Obviously, started with the Los Angeles Kings, who uh, just continued to be one of the stories of the NHL and remain perfect on the road. Uh, how about the Anaheim Ducks? So they got off to a great start. They've come back down to earth, but uh, they, they did show some character in a home-and-home set with Colorado. They did. I mean, you know, and especially after, you know, they got absolutely shellacked, you know, they, they played Colorado in Colorado a couple of weeks back. And um, that was a game that was, you know, I, I, I like to refer to as a schedule loss because it was on the back end of a back-to-back and it's, that's just cruel to do to any team to have them play back-to-back with the second half being in Colorado. Uh, and they got, they lost eight to two. And I think they were outshot like 20 to two in the first period. Um, but you know, these last two games against the Avalanche, you know, they were down 3-1 in the game in Anaheim and then rallied and won in a shootout. And if you haven't seen Leo Carlson's shootout winner, go take a look. Uh, just some sick hands from Leo Carlson. And then he scored again in the loss last night. I mean, Anaheim put another scare in, into Colorado. Uh, you know, they, they, um, they were down 3 nothing, and then they scored a shorty and a power play goal uh, in a span of about four minutes to get to within three to two. But I, I do have to wonder, like, you know, is, you know, has Pat for beat, you know, trying, is he, is he trying to send a message to his team at some point, guys, stop winning. You know, we don't mind the draft. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, it's interesting because they, there's been, there's been talk about, you know, is even with some of Anaheim's signings in the off season, like, are they, are they looking to? Are they looking to get better quicker? Are they looking to add more established NHLers? I'm curious what Pat Verbeek does here between now and, well, and the trade deadline. Well, well, Pat, I, let, let's you know. I think with the two, you know, with the big signings that they had in the offseason, the Gouda signing and the Kaloran signing, were all about trying to change the culture in that room. It was more. That's what they were brought in for. They needed NHL players. They needed guys that that you know, had been through the grind, knew what it takes, knows what it takes to win. They, that was more about trying to help change the culture and, and to add some protection. Ross Johnson was another one, you know, this Anaheim team was getting pushed around the last couple of years. So that's, I think really what those signings were all about. You know, I, and I don't really foresee a guy like either Colon or Gudis being moved. Um, but no, I'm kind of, you know, tongue firmly planted in cheek, you know, I'm sure he ran down to like running down to the bench last night when it got to three to two. Okay, guys, you're, you're doing fine. You know, yeah. not worried about the win. Uh, let's wrap up in San Jose, my friend, uh, because you know, yeah. uh, they're in a similar situation, but boy, they, they actually had themselves a pretty good trip through New York and New Jersey. 
They sure did. And if you're a better Pat, you had a chance to make some serious cash with uh with that trip because the the Sharks were were plus three seventy five against the Devils and they were plus two fifty against the Islanders uh last night. So there were there was some good money to be made. But besides that, yeah, no, it's it is encouraging because you know, you look back at that game on Friday against New Jersey and Pat, they had only they matched their their total of goals that they had scored in their ten previous road games in that game against the Devils. They only had six goals in ten games. They had been shut out four times. They had one goal in each of the other six. Um, that was a real that was a, a, a nice one for San Jose. I mean, every win's a nice one for San Jose. And Anthony Duclair is starting to to score. You know, Hurdle had the hat trick last night. Um, you know, this team. You know, guys need to feel good about themselves and. And we'll see, you know, I, I'm interested to see, you know, what happens with a guy like Anthony Duclair, you know, it, you know, he's got the one-year deal. Does he, you know, does he get moved at the deadline? And then, you know, look, the other story in San Jose, you know, really has been Mackenzie Blackwood. I mean, he's played really well for them. He's been their saving grace on, on a lot of occasions. And good for him. He's kind of, he's, he's turned things around in San Jose after, you know, just struggling the last, a uh, few years in, in New Jersey. Um, but look, yeah, this is a nice one, uh, you know, a nice little road trip for San Jose. And, you know, I, I think, you know, even in the Ranger game, I mean, they, 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 they gave the Rangers a battle and they, they were down six, three before fighting back to get to within one at six to five. I mean, they, they really put a, a scare into them. So no, it, it's definitely for them something to build on. And, uh, you know, uh, we'll see. We'll see how things go the rest of the way. But I think for a lot of these guys, you know, may, maybe this is also a way for guys like Duclair potentially to increase their trade value. Good stuff as always, JD. We'll do it again next week, man. Thanks for doing this. All right, bud. Always a pleasure. Have a good one. You too. Jonathan Davis is our Pacific Division insider. He joins us from NHL Network and NHL Network Radio. Always good insight on what's happening elsewhere in the division the Flames are in. He joins us inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Let's go local Calgary from best from the West Canadian produce to quality only Alberta meats. Find your local at Calgary Co-op. Shop online or in store today as we start to wrap up this hour on the program. Thanks to Aaron Vickers on Twitter at AA Vickers. Talk to you on on Thursday on a game day. Thank you, pal. My pleasure. Uh, Aaron Vickers and Taylor and Cam, our producers. My name is Pat Steinberg, and that'll do it for the Sports Drive this hour. The Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. This Christmas, give the gift of security with smart locks and safes. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.